taking good care of us. Amen. Man, when we didn't take care of ourselves, the Lord was taking care of us. We greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Oh, come on, we got to do better than that. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. If God has been good to you and he's been a great God, come on, give him some great praise today. Give him some great praise today. Yeah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. For those who are watching via the World Wide Web, let me thank you for the privilege of your time. Thank you for being with us today. Remember, you're not watching us to make us a big church or me a big preacher. We are here to help you be the biggest and best Christian you can possibly be. Like us, love us, share us with family members and friends. Let them know there's never been a better time for hope. Listen, I love our good news ministry moments. Uh, you know, some would call them announcements, but they're not announcements in the typical sense. They're really testimonials to the wonderful things that God is doing through the ministry of our church. First of all, we want to thank God for our upward football and cheer season. Twelve children gave their life to the Lord over this past season. Come on, we can do better than that. Amen. Um, this is part of our community outreach ministry. 70% of the children who participate are guests. Over 150 children are touched each year through our flag football, basketball, and soccer seasons. And I want to thank uh, Jeremy Williams. I want to thank uh, Jaleesa Scott. She's on maternity leave. She just had two uh, a set of twins, I should say. And, uh, yeah, just had a set of twins. Um, she told me that uh, the eviction notice was served and they had to go on and find somewhere else to live. And so, uh, but mother and children are doing great. Uh, Dr. Misha Birkins, who continues to give uh, guidance and support to our children's ministry, absolutely tremendous. And we're grateful to God for that. This weekend was super exciting. Our Hype Fest was a tremendous success. Uh, Hype, H-Y-P stands for Heal Your Person. And we had a number of events designed to meet the community's needs physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. It was absolutely tremendous. Um, our prayer ministry was there praying with people. We had yoga classes and CPR classes and teaching people how to cook healthy and just all kinds of stuff going on on yesterday. And I want to thank uh, and give a shout out specifically to my bonus daughter, Alicia. She did a tremendous job of giving leadership. There she is in the center there. She did a great, great job giving leadership to this ministry. And um, it, it's, you know, here's what I've learned. The hardest thing to do is to get something started. You got to overcome that initial inertia. You got to overcome sometimes the doubts that you put into your own mind, right? And, uh, and man, just to be able to overcome that and to see this come to fruition, it was absolutely tremendous. What a blessing. Um, I got to tell you all a story. So we had a lady, she wanted to uh, share her testimony. Uh, she has been a regular recipient and client at the food pantry. And so they came through, got their food, and they were invited to come upstairs. 
And she said, Lord, have mercy. She said, I've been so blessed. She said, every week this church helps feed me and my family. She says, and it's a blessing beyond measure. Then I came up here and I got my health screenings. I got checked. I got insurance for my family. I didn't know I could get insurance to cover my family. I got insurance. She said, I'm going to be back here on tomorrow to give God some praise for what the Lord has done. Had another lady come through, and again, this is a little sadder story, but it's still a testimony to the ministry of this church. A lady came through here with several children um, who had been clearly physically abused, looking for help. And somebody asked her what made her come into the building, what made her come to visit us, and she said she was just looking for some place with air conditioning that was safe. And we were able to partner with our friends at Bay Area Women's Shelter. Um, and they said they didn't have any room, but they would take her anyway. And they would make room for her. And so we were able to get her to a safe place. <coughs> Amen. And that's what the church ought to be about. Remember, we don't go to church. We're not having church. We are committed to what? Being church. We've got to be the salt and light that God has called us to be. Our food pantry, praise God for them, over 400 households and families served on yesterday. Uh, seven to 800 people were blessed uh, with sustenance, addressing food insecurities. Certainly grateful for that. Later on today, I'm going to share with you this uh, morning, uh, Mr. Cornelius Blackshear. He's a great brother in the Lord, and Cornelius works with the VA Center. M uh, talking to one of our members on yesterday, and he was struggling, and those of you who are retired, those of you who are no longer in the service, in order for you to get benefits, you have to be rated at a certain percentage of disability. And um, one of our great members said, you know, well, he, he's got a 12% rating, a Vietnam veteran uh, who laid his life on the line for this country. And I called Brother Blackshear on the spot. Brother Blackshear said, listen, Pastor, I gotta be at my own church at 11, but I tell you what, I'll come at 9 and talk to anybody that you want me to talk to and we'll give them the information, help them make the appointment so we can help them get up. This is part of what has come out of a new law that was passed um, by the Congress in January. So if you don't have a 100% rating or maybe you were denied in the past or you have a spouse who is in the military or is deceased, you can go back and they will retroactively give you payments once they set your new rating. A lot of places of conflict have now been added to the list to make it easier. And what they discovered was so many of our veterans were dying before they got their rightful benefits. It's a shame that in this country, men and women would lay their lives on the line for freedom and we would have them homeless, we would have them with mental health challenges, we would have them with physical health challenges and not address those needs. Somebody say amen. And so we want to make sure that our members and those of you who are watching that you get that information and you get it quickly. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Come on, rooted and grounded. Listen, man, we're super excited. Uh, we're in week eight, how does God view money? And I'm excited about today's message. Uh, remember, discipleship is not the main thing, it's the only thing here at our church. We want you to learn 
and we want to help you to live out the faith. It's not enough for you to come and just sit. It's about you coming and learning how to serve and putting your faith into action. I got to highlight some of our groups. Uh, remember this discipleship season, we are in 12 different states and three different countries. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand of praise for that. We've got men and women whose lives we are pouring into. Um, our Atlanta and Chicago-based life groups uh, were serving uh, at the Toco Hills Community Alliance and the Cancer Support Center, respectfully. And again, these are men and women who are part of our life groups, who are being poured into, who live outside of the state of Texas, live outside of the Houston metropolitan area, but they are being taught and encouraged to be salt and light where they are, to make a difference where they are. Um, I want to thank God for our partnering with the Beacon Homeless Day Center. Uh, on last week, I preached from down there. How many of y'all were blessed by that? How many of y'all were blessed by that? Yeah, man, it was a great joy. You see me there showing off my culinary skills um, as I was down there cooking for the men and women. And uh, several of our teams, man, were down there. Um, they were preparing uh, fresh-made, homemade biscuits. And uh, brothers were down there, man, doing laundry. It's a day center where homeless people can come at 7 a.m. They get a hot breakfast. They get a hot lunch. Um, they have movies that are being shown. It's a safe, dry place for them. They can get laundry done and wash their clothes. They can get a shower. And they also can receive services to help them if they want to get off the street uh, to get housing. It can also help them with mental health needs and the like. And so it's just a real blessing for us to be able to go down there and be a blessing. Also want to thank those who served the Santa Maria's Bonita House. Um, this is a place where my first group served. And this is a place for incarcerated women who are reconnected with their children in the last six months to year that they are serving their term. They have gone through drug counseling. They have gone through rehab. And we have hundred or so people who have been going down there ministering to them. Come on, let's thank God for that ministry. Uh, shout out to St. Dominic's Village. A couple of our groups go. This is an assisted and uh, independent living facility. Uh, but, oh, this picture is from uh, Faye Moore's Rooted, in Light, uh, Rooted uh, and Grounded Life Group. They went and volunteered at the fall fair at Friends with Down Syndrome. And they went out and volunteered there to be salt and light. Um, Faye's home church, uh, the Minnehulla Baptist Church, uh, got shirts made for their entire ministry. And so they, they heard the, the rooted and grounded message and they said, well, we're going to be rooted in Christ. And so they got some shirts made and went out there and served. And our life group went, went down. That's Faye's home church. And uh, certainly grateful and thankful to the Lord for that. And then there was a group that served at St. Dominic's Village I was telling you about. St. Dominic's Village is for assisted living um, and those who are in skilled nursing. And, man, they went down, and you should see the smile on the face of those residents when our members come and be the salt and light. I got to tell you some individual stories. I know I'm taking a little bit of time, but I got to tell you some individual stories. One of our sisters said she has been a member of this church since she was a child, but never felt part of the church body. She joined Rooted and Grounded, bonded with her group, and now she feels like she belongs. 
at the Good Hope Church. Amen. Uh, one brother said he never fully connected with the men at Good Hope, but he connected with the men in his rooted and grounded group. Now he wants to reach out and become more involved with the men's ministry here. One sister said uh, her last hope to stay at Good Hope was rooted and grounded. And she really bonded with her group. She is now committed to facilitating a group and is on the discipleship team. Isn't that amazing? Uh, one brother said he was struggling to find his place in life and at Good Hope. He was going through Rooted and Grounded as a participant, then made a commitment to go through as a facilitator, and now he has purpose for his life and has discovered how God can use him for kingdom work. Man, come on, let's give God a hand of praise for those testimonies. It's amazing to hear what God is doing in the life of men and women who are part of this church, being the salt, being the light that God has called you to be. We've seen more people give their life to the Lord over the last six months than we have uh, arguably in the last three, four, five years. We've seen people who are now actively engaged in ministry. And it's so exciting to see people not only have their lives changed, but to see them used by God to change somebody else's life. And so we're grateful and thankful to the Lord for that. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Um, week eight, you know, we meet immediately after the 10 o'clock service. I think that's why we're kind of light today at the uh, eight o'clock service. Everybody's gonna come to 10 and then we have our groups at our 10 o'clock service. Those of you who are in life groups, we meet today in person and then we don't have our group meetings this week as we get ready to get to week nine and then ultimately our celebration in week 10. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight and will bring glory and honor to you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's one of the number one complaints that people make about the church. It's one of the number one ways people are turned off by the church. It's literally a four-letter word, even though, well, really it's figuratively a four-letter word, uh, but we treat it like it's literally a four-letter word when we say it in the church. Money. How many times have you heard somebody say, man, I would go to that church, but they talk too much about money, right? Oh, man, the preacher driving around in a big old fancy car. Man, listen, I went one day, y'all, third ward. I went to a little bakery. I went in there. I'm just going to get some uh, uh, tea cakes, man. I'm minding my own business. And I walk in, and this lady, and I'm incognito, y'all. I'm incognito, right? So nobody knows I'm a preacher, pastor, or anything except the store owner. I walk in, I'm going to get me some tea cakes, and there's a lady in there blasting a pastor. I mean, she is letting him have it. Now, she doesn't know the pastor. The pastor doesn't pastor here, right? But she's talking about this pastor who bought a $65 million jet. 
And she's talking about how this pastor's riding around in all these cars and, and all this stuff. And the community around the church is suffering. And he's not doing anything for the church and uh, community. And she's just going on and on. I don't say a word, y'all. I'm minding my business. I'm just going in to get some tea cakes. I go to get my tea cakes. And when I go to pay for them, Deacon Wilridge, the store owner, says, is there anything else, pastor, you want? See, you try to be funny now, right? <laughs> and that lady said, oh, you a pastor. You one of them $65 million jet preachers? You, you one of them preachers that live in the mansions and, and got the servants and you got all of it? You one of them preachers? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm not. And she said, well, what church you pastor? And what is your church doing in the community? And I said, well, I'm glad you asked. I pastored the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church on McGregor, right on the bayou. And I started going down a litany of things that our church is doing. And as I was talking, she was getting smaller and smaller. And finally, when I got through, I said, you got any other questions for me? She said, no, 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 I don't. I said, okay, thank you very much. Can I have my tea cakes, please? <laughs> I'm walking out. She said, what, what, he ain't like... All preachers ain't like him, right? And then she's going to go on back to that $65 million. Here's all I'm saying to you. Money in the church, when we talk about material possessions, when we talk about handling our finances, is one of the most mistrusted and misunderstood subjects you can talk about. Uh, most people are just uneasy when the subject of money is broached. But here's what people don't realize. More is said in the Bible about how we handle our money, our possessions, our finances than the Bible says about heaven and hell combined. God is concerned because God wants to know how you handle what you have because what you have and how you handle what you have speaks to the condition of your heart. That's why in Matthew 6, 21, he says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So today, as we get to week eight of our Worldwide Rooted series, How Does God View Money? I want to talk today from the thought, the truth about tithing. The truth about tithing. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. For those of you who are watching you can go to our website, you can go to our app, and you can download a fill-in-the-blank outline and follow along with us. The truth about tithing. Now, those of you who are veteran Christians, you might be surprised that our foundational passage today on tithing is not Malachi 3. Our foundational text today is Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Now, let me say this to everybody just in the form of a confession. Um, I have been criticized here at the church before. I've been talked about by many of our leaders and our trustees and others who have said, you know, Pastor, you don't talk about money enough. And can I tell you why I don't talk about money a lot? I don't talk about it a lot in all honesty because I think quiet as it's kept is probably a stronghold for me. Uh, Deacon Stephen, it's a stronghold because I have been around and seen so much excess. I, I've seen preachers and pastors, that's all they talked about. And I saw 
preachers and pastors who drove cars that were worth more than the building that the church met in. Um, I saw pastors over the years whose offices were plush like a five-star hotel and the building was raggedy, right? Uh, I've seen churches where the children's ministry building was called the Hope Building because as the pastor joked, they hoped it wouldn't fall down. But all of the adult stuff was fly and was top of the line, right? And, and so I've just seen bad priorities. And so I literally have stayed away from it and shied away from it just because I didn't want people to be offended by what they had seen in the past that scarred them just like I had been scarred. But here's what I've come to understand. If we don't get a handle on how we handle what God has blessed us with, then we really can't grow and mature and become who God wants us to be. Can I get a witness in here somewhere? Three things I want you to see today around this subject, the truth about tithing. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to realize tithing was a giving principle practiced before the law, not because of the law. Tithing was a giving principle practiced before the law, not because of the law. The reason today I'm not going to Malachi chapter 3 is because Malachi chapter 3 is talking about the responsibility of Jewish people under a theocratic rule, under God ruling, and it is an expression of the law. We know we are living under grace, but in Genesis chapter 14, we have a reference to tithing that preceded the giving of the law, that preceded Moses, that preceded the Ten Commandments. Look at Genesis 14, beginning at verse 17. After his return from the defeat of Kedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the high priest of God, of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and Blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now remember, Abram is the person whose name would be changed by God to Abraham. But this is before the promise of God was fulfilled in the life of he and his wife, Sarai, whose name would be later changed to Sarah. The Bible says that Jerusalem had not been attacked by an invading army, at least as far as the record has shown. But Melchizedek knew that the eastern invaders could be or could have returned to conquer not only Jerusalem, but all of Canaan. Abram has eliminated this danger by defeating the invaders from the east. The Bible says for this, Melchizedek is thankful, he is grateful, he is appreciative. So he gathers up his entourage and went out to express his gratitude for the great victory won by Abram. He comes out and he blesses Abram. 
and he blesses the Lord for the victory that Abram has had. Melchizedek gives Abram praise. He gives him honor, godly praise and godly honor for being used by God to have this seminal victory. And the Bible says Abram was so thankful for all God had done that he gave a tenth of everything to Melchizedek, the man of God. Now, let me give you two significant facts. First of all, this is the first time the tenth or the tithe is mentioned in the Bible. And a tithe is simply 10%, right? First time it was ever gathered, first time it was ever received as reported in the Bible. And clearly, secondly, this was a practice of people from the very earliest of times. This is long before Moses. This is before Abraham's name was changed. This is before Isaac was born. This is before Jacob was born. Go to Genesis 28, 22. Here is Jacob, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and all that you give me I will give a full tenth to you. See, the argument that tithing was meant only for people under the law is incorrect. It was not a mandate of the law. It was a practice to show gratitude to God for the blessings that had been received. Uh, you probably have heard somebody say something like this. Uh, yeah, your pastor talks about tithing, uh, but we are not under the law. We are not required to tithe. We are under grace. And guess what? You are absolutely right. We are not required to give the tithe today. We are under grace. Here's the problem that many people don't realize. Grace requires more than the tithe. Mic check. One, two. Giving under grace does not preclude the tithe, but it includes the tithe and exceeds the tithe. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, where you get that from? I get it from Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 5. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, right? And, and watch what Jesus says. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders be liable to judgment. He's quoting the law. Verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You have heard, verse 27, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus says, you looking at the loins, I'm looking at your eyes. He says, grace has a higher expectation than the law. You talking about laying with a woman. Jesus says, no, I'm talking about lusting. We haven't even gotten to the action. I'm saying you are condemned because of your attitude. Look at verse 31. 
it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Verse 33, again you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform it to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, go to verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Verse 39, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him to the other. You have heard, verse 43, that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Over and over again, Jesus says you have heard, but I say to you, because grace never requires less than the law. According to Jesus, grace requires more than the law. Listen, because grace gave more than the law. And because grace gave more than the law, grace expects more. Grace requires more than the law. So when you hear somebody talk about tithing and they want to quote the law, listen, they are doing giving and tithing a disservice because it's more than the law. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize tithing is a proper response to God's blessings in your life. It's a proper response to God's blessings in your life. Verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abram was blessed to be victorious over his enemies. He defeated his enemies and received the spoils of war. And the Bible says he gave a tenth of what he received to the man of God. Look at A. When you tithe, you tell God thank you. It is simple gratitude to say thank you for what you have blessed me with. Um, I was referred by someone to do some work, and I was paid well for that work that they referred me to. And it was just proper for me to go back and say thank you with a tangible gift. I said, thank you, because the blessing that came from this referral was worth more than I gave him in thanks, but I at least wanted to say ta-ta for what you blessed me with, right? Uh, that's one of the first things we learn in life, to say please, to say thank you, yes ma'am, no man, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, right? That's just good home training. When you give God your tithe, you're saying to God, thank you. It's just a token of your gratitude. Look at B. When you tithe, you tell God, I trust you. 
When you tithe, you tell God, I trust you. Matthew 19, beginning at verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because a rich person will trust in their riches more than they trust in God. Um, I was watching uh, on the plane the movie George Foreman uh, made, Big George Foreman, about his life. And there was a scene in the movie. He had just won the heavyweight championship of the world, having defeated uh, Joe Frazier in Kingston, Jamaica. And they're sitting down, and he has this huge spread laid out for his family. And as the story was told, uh, his mother was always a praying woman. She would always make them stop and give grace, even if they had to cut a sandwich up into four pieces and give each of child a piece of that sandwich, she would always stop and say grace. And, and George at that time wasn't a believer. And she said, in the midst of this big spread, let's thank God for this food. And George said, what are we thanking God for? I bought this food. Now, of course, you know George Foreman is a preacher of the gospel. He's a pastor of a church uh, here in Houston. But here's the point. Uh, before he came to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he thought he was the source of the blessing. He didn't realize that even in his unsaved state, it was God that was providing through him. And all I'm saying to you is when you tithe, you say, I trust you, God. I'm not keeping for, quote, unquote, a rainy day because I trust you, God, for every day. And I know the God who has provided is providing right now and will provide in my future. Look at Leviticus 2730. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Let's read it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Look at C. When you tithe, you tell God, I love you. When you tithe, you tell God, I love you. Matthew 6, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You give to God, not to get, but you give recognizing that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift you have received. Can I tell you all something? Please don't make the mistake of limiting the blessings of God to what you can count in your bank account. Y'all, God has too much to work with. So, somebody in here, watch this. God can keep you from having to spend money at the doctor. 
God will keep that hoopty running even when it should have died a long time ago, right? Like God's got too much to work with. God has too many ways that he can bless you. You got to recognize that God first loved you and you give God your best because God gave you his best. And we don't give God out of leftovers. We give God first. Because we recognize that everything we have has come from the Lord. Who woke you up this morning? Who started you on your way? Who, who keeps you in your right mind? Who protects you against your enemies seen and unseen? Who gives you grace when you don't deserve it? Who gives you mercy when you sure enough need it? Who washed you? Who cleansed you? Who sealed you? Who redeemed you? Who restored you? Who gives you strength to do what you need to do in life? Look at 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Proverbs 3, beginning at verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Here's the third and final point. Number three, you need to realize when you practice the principle of tithing, you unleash an irrefutable law of Scripture and you can add at the end of that sentence, on your behalf. You unleash an irrefutable law of Scripture on your behalf. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, I need the deacons to help me out here with this point uh, because I want you to see how central our giving to God is. The kingdom work that God allows us to do here at Good Hope, the hundreds of families that we feed every week, we don't get a grant for that. That comes out of our giving. Uh, the thousands of lives that we touch comes out of our giving, right? Uh, the families that we help bring back together comes out of our giving. Um, we're, we're not a church where I'm committed to impressing people, especially people I don't even know, right? We, we are committed to impacting people's lives. And, and I've had those moments, y'all, where, where I thought that, that's what really mattered. That's what's really important. And I've learned that it's not. It's what we do for Christ that lasts. It's how we touch people's lives and change people's lives that last. This is an irrefutable law of Scripture. Uh, there, there are laws of nature that you can't negotiate with and win. Uh, for example, the law of gravity, right? Everyone in here experiences the law of gravity. Uh, gravitation binds us together. All masses in the universe are governed 
defy the law of gravity. Uh, we can jump, but only so high. We don't float off in the space because of the law of gravity. You drop something, it's going to fall because of the law of gravity. It's irrefutable. And the same is true with the law of sowing and reaping. Paul says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. So, deacons, come on. Yo, come on. So, Paul says when you give, he says, give bountifully. But don't forget to give to God first. Right? Honor God first. Now, somebody says, why do I want to honor God first? Because I want God to be preeminent in my life. I want God and what God wants to be at the center of my life. I want everything in my life to start with God. See, here's one of the things that we need to understand and why God blesses us in our tithing. He blesses us because you can't give to God first and God not be first in your life. You can't, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's, it's just impossible. And, and we know that love should always be marked by our giving. Okay, some of y'all looking at me strange. Let me see if I can make it plain. Um, if you have somebody special in your life, a uh, man or woman, right, special, dating, significant other, uh, married, uh, you, you can't be in that relationship and not give. And you sure can't be in that relationship and give to somebody else and not give to that person. Right? Why, why are y'all so quiet? Y'all think this is a trick or something? Oh, um, uh, let, let me see who I can see out here. Let me see. Uh, Deaconess Stevens, is it okay for Deacon Stevens to give money to another woman somewhere else and not give it to you? Yeah, he won't be alive long, I know, uh-huh. So Stevens said, I, I, don't, I don't believe in divorce, but I do believe in murder, right? That's, that's it. He ain't going to be around long, right? No, no, no. And, and you know the old saying that romance without finance creates a nuisance, right? You, no, you can't, no, you can't do that. Love has to mark, and it's marked by giving. Even if you don't have a lot to give, man, you can give your time. You, you, you got to give, I mean, even if he's broke, you got to give something. And you sure can't say, I love you, and give nothing to the person you say you love, and then give what you don't give to that person to somebody else who you're not supposed to love. Look, look at Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Malachi 3.10, there it is. 
Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will sow what you reap. Um, True story. Many years ago, a 16-year-old was told to leave home because his father was too poor to support him. So he took all of his worldly possessions, tied them up in a bundle, and went to New York to get a job. He found a job in a soap-making business. He became a soap maker. Uh, it, it was hard to get work, but once he got the work, man, he, he jumped on in there, and he remembered the last words of his mother and the godly advice that was given to him by the captain of a canal boat. Um, the young man dedicated his life to the Lord, and he was determined, even at a young age, to give God a tithe of every dollar he earned. So when his first dollar came in, the young man dedicated 10 cents to the Lord. This continued, and as he continued to make more money, he would give that tithe to the Lord. Uh, soon, he became a partner in the soap business. When his partner died, he became the sole owner of the business. He told his bookkeeper, he said, listen, every time we make a dollar, put 10 cents in a separate line item in a separate account. The business began to explode. So much so that he told the bookkeeper, put 20% aside. Then he told the bookkeeper, put 30% aside. Then he told the bookkeeper, put 40% aside. Business is still growing. Finally, he told the man, he said, put 50%, everything we make, put 50% aside. And we're going to dedicate that to God and to the kingdom work. The Bible says that this, I mean, uh, the story is that this man, uh, he saw his sales increase in almost direct proportion to what he gave to God. Uh, This man's name was William Colgate. He became half of the multi-billion dollar business we know as Colgate Palmolive Company today. Uh, One man said, yes, I tithe. And he said, and I'm going to tell you how it came about. He said, I began to work as a small boy to help support my mother. My first wage was $1.50 a week. The first week after I went to work, I took the $1.50 home to my mother, and she held the money in her lap and explained to me that she would be happy if I would give a tenth to the Lord. I did, and from that week until this day, I have tithed every dollar God has entrusted to me. And I want to say, if I had not tithed the first dollar I made, I would not have tithed the first million dollars I made. He said, train the children to tithe 
and they will grow up to be faithful stewards of the law. This man's giving was so powerful that he decided at the end of his life, he wanted to be known by the money he gave rather than the money he made. He gave to the Atlanta School for Colored Girls. He gave so much money to that school that they decided to name the school after his wife and her maiden name, Spellman. It's Spellman College. The man who tithed all his life was John D. Rockefeller Sr., who at the time of his death was the richest man in the world. Now, I want to thank the deacons for helping me just to give you a clear picture of what this tithing looks like. So, Larry, Travis, y'all give us a wide shot. This is a hundred items. These are 10. This is 90. Here's what we say. I can't give God 10 because I can't live off of 90. Then some of us who are real spiritual say, well, pastor, do I have to tithe at the church? Because I help people with their rent. I help people when they need groceries. And guess what we do? We go to the table with the 10 to take from the tithe as if the tithe is the limit to what we can give to God or to God's work. Why don't you go to the 90 and give off of your table? God has a hard enough time getting the 10. And y'all know here at the Good Hope Church, I'm not mad at anybody who does this. I'm talking about what we do. You never going to see a sign up for you to see a building and say your tithes at work. Because we don't build buildings, we build people. And we build buildings to build people. I'm, I'm not showing you uh, drone footage of this campus, of this building, of the acres we own. Because those are material possessions. We spend time talking about the people whose lives we touch. What we are doing to be the church. Now, if you give God 10 and you take 90, what's wrong with us if we can't make it on the 90? Maybe we got wants confused with needs. Maybe we're trying to overcome some strongholds of insecurity and a lack of self-worth. Maybe we're trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves and we haven't learned that wearing clothes with somebody else's name on it is not the key to feeling better about yourself. Maybe we haven't learned that buying a purse that's worth more than you got in the bank is not worth it. That, that buying shoes that are super expensive that hurt your feet 
that you can't wear more than for an hour or two at a time is not worth having. You don't have to say, man, I know I'm right about it. That driving a car that's so expensive, I don't want to give somebody a ride in it. Or a house that's so expensive and in such an exclusive neighborhood that I can't show hospitality and invite anybody to come over to it. Maybe there's something wrong with our priorities. See, the tithe mathematically is just 10%. Morally, it's what we owe to God, minimally. Just saying to God, based on what you bless me with. But spiritually, it's a commitment of our heart to say to God, we thank you, we trust you, and we love you. And here's what I've learned, and if there's anybody in here who can dispute this, please tell me. I have never met anybody who was a committed tither to God who could say their needs went unmet because they tithed to, to God. Because when you give to God, it helps set all your priorities right. All your priorities start getting right when your giving is right with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Um, thank you because for so many of us, uh, this subject of giving and money and tithing is something that we don't really talk about a lot. And God, in truth, we don't talk about it because of our own spiritual immaturity. We don't talk about it because we don't want to offend others. We pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. Consecrate us where we need to be consecrated. And help us to commit to handling our finances the way you have asked us to. We love you and we ask all of your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. So, everybody who can, everybody who will, if you stand on your feet where you are. You know, I was just thinking, when you go to a restaurant now, um, sometimes they'll just add a tip on your bill or they'll strongly suggest what the tip will be. Some of you who have been eating out for a while, you know, it used to be 10%, right? Then it went up to 15. Now they kind of suggest minimally that it's 18. And, and they'll, they'll put on there 20 and 25 if you want to, you know, add to it, right? And, and you know, Here's what I, I think often. Shame on me if I feel obligated to give 18% to 
as a tip and can't give 10% to the Lord. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right. And, and y'all, sometimes I feel pressure. Can I, can I be honest? Some, sometimes I feel pressure because I know all of us don't tip like we should. I'm talking about our people. We don't always tip like, you know. Because I've, I've talked to people at, at work in restaurants and sometimes they want to stay away from the black folk. Y'all, I'm trying to tell you what Jesus loves. I'm trying to tell you the truth. And the folk at the restaurant, they'd be like, well, well we ain't, they, they don't be running to serve us because we don't tip like some other folk tip. So sometimes I feel even obligated to add a little bit extra. You know what I mean? Because I, I want them to know. You know, we, we all, you know, some of us got some training. You know, we got some home training. You know, we know how to, we know how to eat in restaurants. You know, we know, right. But, I, but I'm always reminded, every time I go out, I'm like, man, shame on me. If I don't do at least for God what I would do for somebody who brings me my food. When everything that I have comes from the Lord. And we win $500 worth of outfits, $200 worth of hair, $100 worth of nails. Come on, come on. $400 suit and put $5 in the offering and think we did God a favor. Uh, all right, all right, I'm going to get the Lord 10 today. I'm going to get the Lord 10 today. God says, no, we got to get our priorities straight. If you're here today, the first priority that you need to get straight is in giving your life to the Lord. For those of you who are watching, if you're still watching, amen. You can make a commitment to the Lord today. Uh, you're online. You can use the QR code that's there. You can go to people in the chat. There are counselors in the chat. If you say, I want to ask the Lord into my life, I need special prayer. I need, I need to give my life to the Lord. I want to be saved. Whatever language or nomenclature you want to use, you can do that today. And somebody will show you how to ask Jesus Christ into your life. If you go to that QR code, it'll hotlink you so you can find out how to be saved, find out how to become part of our church family, how to make a commitment to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. We don't want our tradition to ask you to come forward to stand in the way of you coming to know Jesus. So even here in the sanctuary, if you want to use the QR code, you can. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And as we do, we extend to you an invitation to say yes to the Lord. Because remember, first and foremost, before you can give God your possessions, you've got to give God your person. Before you give him what you have in your hand, you've got to give him your heart. We won't look at you funny. The men and women who are standing up front and all over this place would love to show you privately how to ask Jesus Christ into your life. Come on and come right now and say yes to the Lord. We won't look at you funny. We will rejoice when you come. Come on. I'll say yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to 
Spirit 